I want our goal for us to be doing this, that you grow in your prayer life. I, 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 I am doing this up through Easter, and then we'll probably switch gears after Easter. I am praying, especially with this group and on Sunday, that our church, our people have a deeper understanding when it comes to praying. I want them to have a deeper passion to be able to pray like the Bible says fervently. I want that to be true with us. I've given this illustration before, but somebody, actually it wasn't somebody, it was my wife, gave me an essential oil diffuser. Has anybody had one of those before or whatever? It's like Jenny gave me one, so you you put like lavender and then it like takes away headaches and all this other stuff. So I had one in my office, and she said, this will help you focus at all this other stuff because I have a hard time focusing. And it clears your mind and all this. So I had that thing on my desk, and every day I would put the oil in it, put the water, and you turn it on, and it's supposed to, like, affect your brain or whatever. And every day it became a chore. I'd go in there and put the water and whatever, and then I'd sit there and not be able to focus. Do you know what I eventually did with that thing? I, I, I got rid of it. I was like, this is stupid. I do this every day, and it does nothing. Why am I going to keep doing something that does something great, but has no effect on me whatsoever? And I've thought about sometimes when it comes to our prayer life, it is one of those things that is like, you should do it. And it changes things. And it's powerful. And God hears you. And it, you, know, you can move mountains and all the verses and things that we claim. And then you're like, I don't, I don't get it. It doesn't do anything. So, I'm not. so we find ourselves like, okay, before we eat, let's pray. And you're like, God, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Amen. And that's our prayer life. And, and it just doesn't make sense. We've got to get down to why it does it. Why aren't we embracing prayer like we should be? So we're going to another goal, to address the confusion, the doubts, and the misunderstanding concerning prayer. So there are some verses that are taken out of context that people would say, I claim this. I'll give you some of those verses. Even with my journey with Logan, people have quoted these verses to me, and, and I'm like, that doesn't even mean that. I mean, that sounds good. It makes me, us feel all good, but I mean, it's taken out of context. I can't claim that verse because that verse doesn't mean that. But then there's a misunderstanding when it comes to fasting, and we misunderstand what it means to hinder our prayer lives and things like that. So a note that I want to make, because I'm doing an overflow of what I'm talking about on Sunday, not that it's the same context, but it's like same subjects, okay? It means that you're going to hear me say things probably over the next two weeks on Sunday that you're going to hear and hear. So that's intentional because it connects and stuff, so I just want to put that out there. So, But most Christians would say, I don't pray enough. I mean, not that I don't think any Christian would ever come up and say, yeah, I'm maxed out. Yeah, I don't think anybody would ever do that. But I'm saying we would admit that we're lacking and we, we have shallow communication when it comes to that. And when it comes to praying over our food, a lot of people would say, I pray as I'm praying over my food, but that's as far as it goes. But we would still say in the same context, is prayer important? Yes. What is the most important part of, the, of your journey with Christ? Praying. What, what, what's going to make the difference with your kids? Praying. You know, we, we would sit there and talk about it. So uh, out of all the things that we do, it's praying, honestly, don't, don't take this wrong. It's, it's more important than evangelism. Can anybody tell me why I would say that? Because your evangelism is weak without God intervening. You know, and say that you're going out and doing in your own strength. All you're doing is words. Unless the power of God is with you and the moving of God is with you, you can, without me, you can do nothing. So you talk about the strength of God and the power of God and all the things that we do. We would say this. 
prayer brings revival and prayer restores and prayer changes the nation. And then all these things that we say, then the question is, why don't we pray? Because it should be, if we fully believe that we could bring revival and shake this nation, and we believe that, and I announced a prayer meeting, we would not be able to stop the prayer meeting. We would not have enough space for the prayer meeting. You think about it. I mean, if, if that is true, we would have to sit there and just keep blowing up, or not blowing up buildings, expanding buildings. <laughs> kind of use my words right. <laughs> we, we, because we wouldn't be able to contain people if we knew that there's power in prayer when it comes to this. So you guys think about this. Why don't we pray? Here's three reasons that I, I just from talking to people that we have. Number one, we have doubts. Does God really hear us? Does prayer make a difference? Does God really answer prayer? Does it change anything? And I, I kind of shared with you guys those things when it comes to that. Or we're, we're confused about prayer. I've had people say, I don't know if I pray long enough, or I don't know if I use the right words. I don't, I don't know if I have enough faith. You know, all these things that we say, because the Bible says praying in faith, praying, believing. Maybe God didn't do whatever because I didn't believe enough. I didn't fast long enough. Or we feel like we're not doing it right. You know, did I start off the right ways? I had somebody, no joke, this has happened, this person's out in our church, and they came to me and they said, I just need to talk to you. I said, well, what about Wednesday night after church? Okay, that works. Went up to my office, they sat there, and they just said, I just have to confront you about this. They said, you know, God has never or will ever answer any of your prayers in this church. And I'm like, oh, I was like, that's a pretty powerful statement. And, and they said to me, Unless you start off your prayer with our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, then it doesn't even start the conversation and God never hears you. And you, not, you guys never pray this way. She said, that's why I'm leaving this church and I'll never be back. And I was like, okay. It's like you, you took something out of context. That's not what that meant. You know, but they were adamant about this and people get so caught up in these things when it comes to that. The result of this is people don't pray or they're afraid to pray. Let me tell you another one of my goals. One of my goals is that you understand prayer to the point when we have prayer groups, you feel comfortable to pray. And I'm not saying that to make anybody feel guilty for like, I don't pray in the circle or whatever when we pray. Or when you get home and you pray with your family, or if you're at an event and somebody looks over and says, oh, so-and-so goes to church. Hey, will you stand and pray for us? And you're like, oh, I'm not gonna do it. Why? Why would we say, I can't stand and pray? Guys, help me out. What, what, what comes to our mind? What is the reason for it? Fear. Fear, fear of what? Embarrassment. Embarrassment of what? Saying the wrong thing? Sounding stupid? Not doing it right? But you think about it. If we're Christians and we say, listen, prayer is just me talking to God. Can you really do it wrong? And I think we've hyper-spiritualized prayer so much that sometimes we don't understand what God has spelled out and said, this is prayer. This is as simple as it should be. I, uh, I, 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 we all mess up when we speak. But I'll tell you, my kids can mess up when they speak to me. You know why? It's about a relationship. I have a relationship with my kids. We've got to, we've got to have that understand, understanding when it comes to God. For those that grew, grew up in church, now this is just a lot of introductions, so hang with me. I, just, I think these things need to be said because it's like, why, are we, why is it that prayer is so powerful? And I'm going to say this on Sunday, okay, if, if God leads me to say this. It's like, what are the biggest meetings that we have in churches? Just be honest, say it. Just go ahead and say it. Not what I wish. <laughs> I was like, it's not. 
potlucks. <laughs> I was like, we're going to grill out. We're going to have a, you know, we're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers, whatever. I mean, for us as leadership, we know we're going to have a big Sunday. Sunday, why? We're having a fellowship afterwards. We're doing donuts or we're doing whatever. I, I'm just, I'm, Chris, back me up here. <laughs> we, we, we know if we're having food or whatever, it's going to draw in people. And then there's worship services. Can we just be honest? What is the, one of the smallest meetings that we have in churches? Prayer meetings. Prayer meetings. Potlucks, whoa, it's like pull out extra tables and you run back to Giant Eagle three times to be able, and guys don't sit there like, oh man, he's, I go to potlucks, he's looking at me. I'm not saying that. I love potlucks too, okay? I'm not saying that at all. But could we honestly say when it comes to seeking after God and we would all admit our bellies will drive us more than our desire for prayer? It just is. It's just the craving that we have. And by the way, that has a lot to do with what I just illustrated about why God's given us the practice of fasting. He's given it to us. So I uh, asked for you guys to give me questions. Can I just read some of them? These are, I want you guys to have an idea of where we're going, okay? This is not me. Like, this is what I'm thinking. These are questions you don't have in your notes. These are questions you've given to me. I, I took every one of your cards. I typed them out. Uh, I have them in a document. I'm pulling every one of them into this series. We're going to go through every single, well, almost every single question. <laughs> Some people were just being fun with it. Um, what does it mean to pray without season, ceasing? If we're to pray without ceasing, would that not be constant? How do you think this looks? How, how, do, you, how do you know when you have prayed in God's will? How long should you pray about someone or something? Uh, what about prayer for the unsaved? If it's God's will that all would come to repentance and none be lost, why do some prayers go unanswered? What is free will versus predestination? Do you have to feel it to have the effective prayer? I mean, you think about all these things that are going, and, and I'm telling you that it, that is just a small, small fraction of these things. And some of them overlap, and so we're going to take these Bible principles when it comes to praying, and we're going to break these things down. And, and even, even when it comes to fasting, how long do you have to go without a meal? And, and does, does sleeping through the night count as fasting? I mean, it's, think, think about it. It's a legitimate question and stuff. So these are great questions, but I, I started getting into those, and then I thought, I need to do one lesson that just is a foundational lesson to start, and that is this. What is prayer. What is it? And I mean, we all have these definitions and things like that, but if we're going to get to the point where like, I can pray, you know why? Because I understand what it is, and this is simple. So here's some definitions, and I'll kind of explain them, that when I was searching, and I was asking people, doing surveys, it's like, what is prayer? And I was writing down all these things. It's like, well, that's good, that's good, that's good. You know, what, what a di- different places say this is. Prayer, simply talking to God. Prayer is communication between you and God. And you got to think, we're relational, right? We talk about it's not about religion, it's about relationship. Well, we're relational. What brings us together? Conversation. It, it is what brought us, it's what brings couples together, it's what brings the teens together. It's like we love hanging out, we love to talk. In fellowship with our life groups, we sit in a circle and we talk about life and we talk about the Bible. What does this mean? Communication brings us together. From the very beginning in time, God walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the garden. Communication. If a couple is struggling in their relationship, do you know one of the top things that every counselor will talk to them about? How is your communication? 
How are you talking? Are you guys getting along? Is it going back and forth between you? If they're, ta- if they're not communicating, they have problems. We were created by God to communicate. It's part of the very foundation of relationships uh, for communion in this way. And so that's why God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us through his spirit. We speak to God through prayer. So it's, if, if you have a married couple and it's like, we're frustrated, what happened? He went out and bought this car or he told me about it. I did tell you about it. No, you didn't tell me how much it was. I told you the ballpark. You said you were okay. I was okay with it. What, what is the problem there? They, they, not, there was a lack of communication. Do you know why a lot of times that we get in problems in life? is because we have a lack of communication with God. Because remember, God is our guide. God is our, 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 our help. He's our provider. He's the one that keeps us out of trouble. It's like God is all these things. I'll sing you the comfort, which is the Holy Spirit, all these things that God promised to be. And yet we get into these troubles, and some people are like, my life is always a mess. And I think, what is your GPS in your life? If it's not the Spirit of God, and you're not kneeling and getting alone with God, then you're constantly leaving out the other spouse as if it would be a relationship. But in this instance, you're leaving out God in your daily walk. That kind of goes into that question of praying without ceasing, ceasing but I won't get in that. We'll, we'll wait for that. So prayer is man seeking after God to intervene in his situation. Think about how when, when we had the Bible, when Jesus was made flesh, how did something change or happen in their life? They went around and said, oh, that's Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And they bowed down before him. What was it? They sought after him. They communicated. They shared their need. Come heal my servant or come do this. Whatever it was in their heart and mind, it was talking to God. Prayer is our way of asking for help. We need God. That's why the Bible says you have not because you ask not. It's, it's asking God. Prayer is a way of worship. We sing to God. We pray to God. We come to God with thanksgiving. But the word prayer in Matthew 6, 5, this is when thou prayest. That word means to worship. It literally means, and sometimes we have it like we need to pray, uh, you know, and then we go into, God, I need you to help me today and help me with this and help me with that. But it's also an opportunity for us to worship God. Prayer in the context of when we're sitting together or we're, we're going to sit there and have a meeting at the beginning of service or at the end of service, it's like, God, we thank you and we praise you. It is an outlet for me to be able to brag on God. That's what prayer was. So let's read Matthew 6, 5, and then get into, so this is one of the main passages of the New Testament about praying. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners and the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret. And thy father that seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetition, as the heathens do. For they think that they shall be heard of their much speaking. But ye not therefore like unto them. For your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you ask. So he's having this honest conversation about prayer. And he's talking about what it is. But at the same time, Jesus begins to explain what it's not. And I think it's important for us to understand what prayer is not because we can get wrapped up into what it is not. They lived in the, cultures, uh, uh, the culture of the Pharisees that were the religious leaders. But it wasn't about a relationship with them. And I know they didn't totally understand that because Jesus was still introducing the New Testament, the New Covenant, no longer the sacrifice, and all those things. But people would stand around with them and he was saying, this, this makes me sick. He said, it shouldn't be this way. 
They would stand out in the streets. They would be all eloquent. And they would begin to impress people. And people would stand off to the side and be like, ooh, oh, like, wow, look at, did you listen to them pray? And it became almost like entertainment. And they were like elevating themselves up because of the fact is that they were praying so well. Well, God said, that's not really praying. What happens is, is people end up seeing it as a performance. You know, we, we try to outpray each other. You know, when we're like saying it the right way or emphasizing certain things. I mean, if it's from your heart, it's okay. But prayer is not a performance. It should never be where the person next to us sits there and says, wow, I could never pray as good as you. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Then you don't understand prayer. It's not about that. Prayer is talking to your heavenly father. Prayer has to get past the cliche prayer, distant like it was in the Old Testament. You know, Jesus came to change things. I'll show you how he came to change things, but the Old Testament, it was sacrifice. I mean, how, how, how close did anybody get to the Holy of Holies? You know, like that was like unheard of to come into the presence of the Shekinah glory of God. It wasn't a thing. Even the priests had to wrap a bell around their leg and a, and a rope in case they died from being in the presence of God. So that's how it was. But God came to rip the veil in half to, to, to be like, no, there's no longer a petition. Now it's not a matter of, oh, I can't come before God. Now it's let us boldly come before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and help in the time of need and trouble. That's, that's what he said that we should have. So if in the New Testament, if our communication is cold and distant, we've missed something. We, we've missed the whole thing of what Jesus came to do of restore that relationship when he said it is finished. He changed all of this. So here it is. Everything changed. So let's talk about what is prayer. When Jesus taught them to pray, he said, after this manner, therefore pray. It was an example. We can get into that later. But he said, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It, this, would, this might not be a big deal for us, but in the Old Testament, he was Jehovah God. You know, he was Jehovah Jireh. He was all these different Elohim. And, but I mean, to, to be introduced now is, is for everybody, to, for him to be the Father, yeah, that, that changes things because it gave a visual of our connection with God. It was, it was a radical concept. And Jesus was teaching them that one day, and something weird happened. Do you, do you guys know the, uh, the, when, the, when Jesus was teaching and the, the kids ran up on him, what did the disciples do? Told them to get away. Get away. Why, why did they say to get away? They didn't want to bother the master. Right. Yeah, we don't want, he doesn't have time for kids because during that time, Kids were not, definitely not like our, our day and age. <laughs> we're like kids today are almost like, do whatever you want. But by that culture, it was like the adults are doing something out of sight, out of mind. It's, it, you're not to be seen. You're not to be heard. You're not to approach. And especially not a rabbi like that. But Jesus came to change things. When Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. He didn't like it. He was much displeased. And said unto them, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Now, we love using this as an illustration at Vacation Bible School. God loves children, which it's true. God does love children. Okay. But Jesus was using it as a bigger example. It says he was much displeased. And he said unto them, Suffer the little children, come unto me and forbid them not. Why? For such is the kingdom of God. He, he was taking a heavenly kingdom, heavenly father thing, and he was using it as a visual and illustration, bringing it down to their level of saying, hey, this is like, this is what I came for. The father upstairs, you know, the, not, you know what I mean? The father in heaven, he's the one that came to 
for me to teach it this way. It, it was a visual. It was the desire. This is what the kingdom of God is about. When the kids approached Jesus, Jesus was like, this is a visual. You get it. I'm approachable. And then he took them up in his arms and he put his hands on them and he blessed them. This is the opposite response. They were expecting Jesus to back them up and be like, yeah, you kids need to get out of here. We're doing adult business. But when it came to the aspect of kids wanting to be in Jesus, Jesus said, clear the way, get out of the way, come into the presence, sit on his lap. God blessed them and loved on them. You guys get it? So different than the Old Testament. So different. And he had to visualize with them. It was so different than what they were used to. This was Jesus being personal. It was interactive. It was caring. It was compassionate. It was his kids. When thou pray, when thou prayest and you're in the closet, when thou shut the door, pray to thy father. It's not, you pray to your parent. Pray to your dad. I get this more than ever now. Okay, is, is, you guys will identify with this if you're a parent in here. If you're not, I'm sorry. But our kids will never, ever fully understand how much we love them. I, I mean, you try to tell them, and like, Jordan's birthday was yesterday. He, Jordan turned 21 yesterday. He was my, my baby boy is 21. Uh, he's not a baby boy anymore. He's way bigger than me. But I, I look up to this guy now. He's turned 21. And I'm still, as he's leaving, I said, Jordan, are you awake? He works third shift, so I'm always worried about that. I said, you know, Jordan, Jordan, be careful as you drive. And he looks and says, Dad. You know, I was like... Because I know how to drive. I'm like, but it's in me. I care about my kids. I love my kids. I'm always compassionate or involved in what they're going through. I want to know. I value the time that I get with them. Last week, uh, me and Logan got to go out. And uh, Jenny was going out to do something. She said, it's just you and Logan. So I'm like, Logan, we're going to dinner. And we went up to the store. We went up to the mall. We went up to uh, Scene 75. Have you guys ever been to Scene 75? It's like a giant, giant, giant Chuck E. Cheese. Okay, it's like... It's, yeah, it's amazing. It's so cool. It's, it's, it's like anything. Oh, yes, it's excellent for grown-ups. Me and Jenny do date nights there. Okay, I'm getting off a little bit. See what you people do. Chuck E. Cheese, baby. It's like, it's awesome. So we went from game to game and just competitive game. Here, here he's sick and on chemo, and yet he still beat me to death in all the basketball games and stuff like that. I told him I let him win, but that's not true. I'm just old and can't, can't do anything. I don't think Logan, in all the ways that I could explain it, will ever, ever, ever know the value that I get out of that. I, I, don't, th- I don't think he could comprehend as much as I say, but I had so much fun, and I love this so much. And like we're, we're, we, even though we had to drive all the way up the Tuttle, it's like a half-hour drive, I love the drive home. I love the fact that I told him, let's go to Starbucks, and let's sit in the driveway, and let's, let's, let's sit in the parking lot, let's talk, and... I talked to him about his cancer journey. I talked to him about how he's feeling. I talked to him about the scans we're having on Monday. I talked all these things. And never once did I ever sit there and think, oh, you're boring me. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, it never happens. You know why? I love him. And he will never fully understand or grasp how much that I love him. I, I don't leave the house without ki- hugging my kids. I, I, I check on them all the time. They're a valuable part of my life. Every time God calls us to understand our relationship with him and he says, I am your father. Man, please get what God is saying. And then he sat there and said, well, I don't want to bug God with this. Or I, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't think this was a big enough thing to pray about. And God's up there like, wow, you don't get this at all. You don't understand how much you mean to me. I, I, I put it like this. One, you need to understand. I'm talking about, I want you to 
to get into the habit of going before God. I want you to, we, we always say what we get out of it. Can I put it like this? He delights in you. And I know that sounds weird because we're always like, we delight in him. How awesome is our God? And God says, how much I love you. He, he loves you. It's, it's, he delights in you. It's, you were formed in the image of God. He said, for, for thy, listen to this, for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. They are and were created. I, I remember when our kids were born. And they had nothing to offer me. And it was the weirdest thing when Jordan was born. And I would look forward. It was so weird because I never thought I'd be that guy. I would look forward to going home. And then I would, Jenny would be like, don't wake him up. I'm like, I just want to peek. And then I'd come out with him. I said, he woke up. You know, you know how it is. And then I'd sit on the couch and I would just hold him. And I'd sit there. And, I'd, I, and it was just weird because all he would do is make noises and throw up. It was like... It wasn't, you know, you wouldn't think, but I delighted in him. And I, and I think it's important for you to understand when you approach God and you're praying and you, you close the door and you get alone with God the way he wants, God is happy, excited, delighted in you. He delights in you. Psalms 149.4, for the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He takes pleasure in you. I mean, Every time when you're driving on the road and you're, you're pouring your heart out and you're crying to God, when you're worshiping and you look up and you get your mind off of everybody in there and your mind is on God, He delights in you. It, it, he delights in having your attention. He likes it when you focus on Him. By the way, let me just put this out there because it's true and it fits. It's one of the reasons why fasting is so powerful because it is, it is a separation from yourself and total dedication to God, just saying it's less about me and all about you. And that, that brings pleasure to God in that way. Thou hast pray, enter the closet when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father. It's, we, we make prayer about what it does for us, but do we ever stop to think about what it does for God? That he brings pleasure, he delights in it. You're never wasting his time. Uh, prayer is simply speaking and communicating to God as your Father. I mean, we can sit there and say it's approaching the throne of grace, and even that somewhat is kind of an intimidating thing. It's cool that we have access to God in that. But he said, he points to the Pharisees, and he said, when you pray, I shall not be as the hypocrites are, for they love praying, standing in the synagogues, and all the things that he said. He said, just don't do this. I don't want a performance. I don't want you out praying, out talking, out saying, out, out fancy wording everybody else in the circle. I don't, I don't want you trying to impress your kids. So just pray to me. Talk to me as your father. And then he, the, the same thing is with this. He says, be not as the hypocrites are. He's talking about be real with God. I, I think this is important for us to understand because I, I've, had, I've struggled with this because there was things that I would have on my heart when I'm dealing with Logan and everything, and the hard, hard days that we went through, and the, the chemo, and the throwing up, and the shocking of his heart, and I, all the mess that we went through, that I would get on and be like, talk to people and say, I don't understand this, and I'm frustrated with this, and where, where, where is God in all this? And I'd ask the question that any other parent would do. But then when I pray, God, thank you for all the blessings you're doing, and God's like, hypocrite. You know, it's like, I already know how you're feeling. Why are you not saying that to me? Why are you not being real with God? It's, it's, we could be, you're like, I don't know if I have that great of a prayer life. It's like, yeah, because you have, you'll vent more on Facebook than you will to God. 
So why can't I talk to God that way? Can I tell you he already knows your heart? <laughs> it's like you're not hiding anything. He already knows what you're saying. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows. It's, it's, it's amazing how we don't get real with God. And it, it's, it's pointless. It, and I'm not saying it's pointless, but I'm saying if we're not real with God, then we're, we're, we're being hypocrites. And he said, don't be like the hypocrites. So we, we need to take this to heart. God's not impressed with your words. He says, when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do. For they think, in their, their, they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. Okay, something with my kids that makes a difference. Um, Father's Day cards, okay, are kind of a waste. Just being real. Because they'll get the Father's Day card that sometimes mom picks up anyways, and they'll say, sign the card, and they just sign the card, and then I get it. You know what I'm thinking? I wish I had that $4.50 for Starbucks. That's what I'm thinking. This last Father's Day, I, I had the kids, and I think maybe Jenny would have said something. They all wrote out something to me. I can tell you, I kept every single card because it wasn't somebody at Hallmark that got paid X amount of dollars to write a card and they didn't even read it. They just went Logan, Jordan, Morgan. You know, it was like they didn't do that. It meant something because those are words said to me. I think sometimes when we sit there and talk about the vain repetition, let me just talk to the seasoned Christians in here for a minute. Like so-and-so pray for a meal or so-and-so pray for the service. And I, and I know some of this is just human nature, but have you ever noticed that sometimes we can rattle off half of our prayers because we've done it so much that it just, dear any Father, we thank you for this day and what a blessing it is. It's a blessing to be here. It's a blessing. And it's like, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, sounds good or whatever, but have we ever stopped? That, you know, I would never go home and just walk up to my wife. It's a blessing that you cook and it's a blessing that you're my wife. And I'm thank you for the napkin that you're about to put on the table because it's going to, you know, it's like, it can become so vain repetition that if you stopped and asked somebody, and I think sometimes our worship can be that way. When I was youth pastor, we sang a song one time, and then I turned off the, the lyrics in the screen, and I went back out to them, and I said, can anybody tell me one line of what we just said? Can anybody tell me one, one, one the phrasing of what it meant? I said, have we just got caught up in the vain repetition of it, that we've got caught up in the act of it, that we've lost concept of the purpose of it? So here, here's what it is. He was teaching us to pray from the heart, to speak from the heart. When you pray, enter in the closet. When you've shut the door, pray that Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee open. Now, now visualize this. This is what God's saying to do. You're really upset, and you've got a lot on your heart, and you're really frustrated, and you're talking to everybody, and you're venting in the cars, you drive down the road. You get home, and God says, do this. Come in. Come in. Shut the door. Literally meaning, I don't want the TV on. I don't want other people hearing you. I don't want the kids hearing you. We're going we're gonna to talk about This is what God's telling us to do. Sit down. And you say, pray to your father, which is in secret. What, what happens when you're arguing with your wife and you're in front of people? How open are you? Well, maybe, never mind. That, that might my ear. <laughs> I'll tell you how open. But normally you're like, you know what you did. You know, it's like we, we speak in code and we hold things back and stuff like that. But oh boy, when you get in the car, it's like, how dare you? I'm not, me and Jenny don't do this. I'm talking about other people that I know. But then, then it's like, they unload. It's like, you know what you said. You like, whatever. And God's saying, when you pray, I want you to pray to your father, which is in secret. Literally mean, nobody else is going to hear. 
But I want you to open up and be real with me about this. I want you to have this honest conversation when you have shut the door. No more secrets. The word secret means to conceal privately, inwardly. Tell me what's on your heart. Your father, which knoweth these things, he, has no, he knows what you need of these things before you even ask. He already knows. He just wants you to be honest. Let, let me wrap this up. I know we're running out of time here in a minute. I want to make sure we have time for prayer. Um, can I give you this illustration with this? Um, he's your dad. And there's a safety place of that with your dad. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. He careth for you. Casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. The word cares means this, to be of interest, to be of concern. It matters. I didn't, that's literally the Greek definition. God's saying, you know why I want you to dump on me? You know why I want you to unload on me? You know why I want you to be real with me? Because I have interest in what you have to say. I, I'm interested in your kids. I'm interested in your life. I'm interested in what your hurts. I'm interested in why you cried all the way home. I'm interested in why you can't sleep at night. I'm interested. I care about those things. That's what he's saying. Casting your care upon him. Literally, listen to this. Casting literally means hold nothing back. When you have something, you let go of it. And, and sometimes when you're with your spouse, you're just saying, tell me what this really is about. Or, or be honest with me or whatever. You're, you're, you're wanting them to not hold back. And that's what God's saying in this. He said, I don't want you to hold back. I want, I want you to cast your care. Cast what's burdening you. Casting what's frustrating you. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So what is prayer? Prayer is you talking to your dad. Abba, Father. And that's, if we can start this, series off with the idea of that and you sit there and say hey we're going to pray tonight or and, and this is not me putting the pressure on everybody when we pray tonight I want everybody praying you know I'm not saying that at all but I am saying I would like to push you to the point where you feel more comfortable I, I'd love it to where you're at home and you say hey we're going to pray you're going to pray I thought we just pray to ourselves no we're going to pray and you just sit there and just pray you know why because you're just talking to your dad you know, and, and as talking to your dad and your heavenly father, you don't have to hold back. You can be real and honest and transparent and clear. And he loves it. He loves it. He loves you. He delights in it. So I told you the illustration about uh, my uh, Logan, that card. Logan wrote the most in that card. That, like I've never, Logan is not a person of words. I mean, if, you, if anybody knows Logan, okay, he's like, I can text him, but sometimes I'll get in, in there and I'll just, hey, bud, I'm just thinking about you today. I love you. I'm praying for you, whatever. And he'll be like, okay, or thanks. And I was like, I was wanting so much more than that, you know. But that's, he's just a, a man of few words. You know, people will ask him, like, how are you doing with all this? And he'll be like, I'm good. You know, I was like, they were waiting for him. That's not Logan. But in my last Father's Day card, Logan wrote like a half a page. And it was during the time that we were back and forth out of the hospital. And for some reason, I mean, st stuff was piled up and things on my nightstand. And I was going through it. And I pulled out that card. And I was like, I was like wait a minute. Was, and I was opening it up. I was like, oh, my goodness. And I tell you, in that moment, and I'm going to say this without crying, okay? So I'm cool. I'm all cool. But in that moment, those words, those words I would, I would, have, I would have paid a million dollars for. Those words meant more than anything just because 
when he first went into the hospital, and I don't know how many of you guys realize this, we didn't even know if we were leaving the hospital. His heart was in such bad shape. He was in the intensive care. He was on monitors. They wouldn't even let him leave. I mean, it was bad. And getting that card with those words, and I just thought about how much when you pray and you're broken and you're sitting there holding back from God and you say, it doesn't matter. Well, I'm not going to bring this up to God because it's not a big deal. And so many other people have so many other issues. God cares about every single thing that goes through your mind. God cares about your hurts. He cares about the heaviness that you have. He cares about the burdens. He cares about the little things and the big things. He cares and the words that you say are precious to God. So why are you not talking to him?